Listeners everywhere, welcome to The Movie Show with Joel and Ryan, the weekly fix for your screen addiction and a trusted source for discussion of all things film and television. Please keep in mind that for the purposes of this podcast, Joel and Ryan are not acting as journalists, but rather fellow moving picture enthusiasts. All of their opinions should be taken as such. Also, please be warned that while Joel and Ryan may seem like petulant children, they are, in fact, adults who may occasionally use adult language. While they promise to keep out all the worst words, it's a good bet you will still understand what they were saying. And now, with no further ado, here's Joel and Ryan. All right, kids. All right, kids, settle down now. Settle down. Take your seats. Take your seat. Put down the frisbees and the jarts. For it is now time. And the hacky the sacks. And the, I don't want to yeah. see any hacky sacks. Out We're there. done with the hacky sack time now. And now it is time to uh, please take out your podcast players and turn to page seven. No, six. Turn to page six. Is that where we're at? That's six, no end six, in sight. Seven. Uh, anyway, we uh, we are here for uh, the movie show with Joel and Ryan. Welcome. Woo! I'm Joel. I am I'm Joel. Ryan. And uh, we are back continuing our look at the year in movies from last year. And then, you know, a few from the year before that. And maybe a couple from 2020 getting thrown in there. Uh, but we have, yeah, we have all sorts of, uh, again, some more really fun stuff. Um, it's my year in review. Screw what your year was. Yes, it is. It is the the year of uh, you know, on the on some calendars, uh, it is the year. It went from uh the year of uh Tulula to uh, this year is the year of the uh, year of the Ryan. Hmm. Um, and so yeah, I, I don't, I can't remember what um nationality that calendar belongs to but anyway it's the year of is ryan's year and we're going back and looking at uh so so many movies because ryan sees so so many movies yeah uh, thank you we're so happy to have you here um we we uh yeah this is our fun light-hearted look at some fun not so light-hearted movies uh and um uh yeah we're gonna we're i think we should probably just jump right in we got two two big categories today yeah and uh so we're gonna we're gonna jump right on in with our look back the year in review 2022 and a few from 2021 and a couple from 2020 <laughs> all right so um up first <laughs> is the Amer- now l- last episode we were we were uh, across the pond looking at some british stories some british feel good stories that were based on the incredible true story right right well this we've come back across the pond we've come back home we've come back to america and yet we are still also based on the incredible true story yeah. all right first up is lost girls uh, this is from a couple years ago. This is Amy Ryan, um, starring in this uh, in this movie. Uh, when Mari Gilbert's daughter disappears, police inaction drives her own investigation to the gated Long Island community where Shannon was last seen. Her search brings attention to over a dozen murdered sex workers. I'm not shaking my head at the premise; more the the trotting out the. Uh, 
the name of the character late in the second sentence and not the first. This is bad synopsis. Mm-hmm. So, but it does get to the heart of what the thing is. It's it's missing people that nobody cares about. That happens shockingly more than you think. And Hollywood wants us to believe that there's some dogged, tortured detective who stays up all night and is totally obsessed with solving our case. But the reality is that most the vast majority of crimes in America go unsolved and it's because people don't really care. And you're seeing a crazy escalation in petty crime of late, partly because of economic circumstances, um, but also because there are very, very little consequences for stealing carburetors and stuff like that. It's just the reality is that you know, if you've already done something bad on your record, just doing a bunch of other little things that are bad isn't such a big deal. And this obviously isn't that. I mean, pe- people disappearing is 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 horrible. And but it's still sort of met with the same kind of. Eh, we don't know. You know, the tortured cop in this case, played by um, Gabriel Burns, fantastic performance. Just a tired, weary guy who who is literally about to retire and sympathizes and cares, but just knows that things have to be done in a certain way. And it is that thing where he has to keep explaining to her. Mm-hmm. You know, you think you can just, you know, push this to the next level through sheer force of will, but you can't. If we if we search without a warrant, if we do this without cause, if we do that without... I mean, she just basically mm-hmm. keeps... And he's—you can tell he gives a shit, but it, 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 if he does it wrong, then we won't even really catch anybody. And if we do, then they won't even have any consequences for what they did. Right. Um, it's infuriating because the both characters in this case are 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 almost equal in a way. And he keeps showing up when she does some outrageous stunt. But it's almost like he shows up to save her from the consequences of such a thing rather than to actually respond to what her concerns are over the case of her missing daughter. Mm-hmm. Um, Amy Ryan is spectacular. Uh, the, the, but this is a true crime story with a really ugly and really unsatisfying side to it. As far as true stories go, it's terrible. And it... And, it's even more terrible. Like rarely does the text that usually the text that goes across the screen makes you feel a little bit better. It, you move a little further into the future, you you know, some happens, the text that rolls across the screen is, is trying to do that. And it actually is failing and it's, and it's failure to do it, even though it's trying to is so pathetic that the movie just sort of leaves you feeling bad and gutted. So you show you show up for a extraordinary actor given an extraordinary performance in a sort of greasy grimy real crime story mm-hmm. that's that's about these disappearances for reasons that are absolutely heinous and that doesn't have really a very adequate resolution to it given even if there's justice or some smidge of justice in here it it justice for what I mean we really think of what was going down and how much they got away with and stuff it's it's awful, and that's that's how stuff is, you know. And I think audiences yeah. like to tune in for, um, 
you know, for uh, criminal minds or whatever, and they like each serial killer to be caught at the end of each week's episode, which is all, and they, you know, and it's, that's almost worse. <laughs> it's hard to explain, but I mean, that's almost worse. It's like, how many damn serial killers are there out there? There's a few, but they, they, are there enough for a TV show to go on for 12 years where there's a new one every week? I don't think so. I don't mm-hmm. even think it's even close to that, in fact. I think actual killing in that way is an extremely rare thing from a crime standpoint. Um, this is a true story, and they, they, other than the poor guys who had to write the text at the end of the movies, they lean into the truth and the, the dirty complicatedness of it. So I admired it. I didn't enjoy it much. But I do admire Amy Ryan and Gabriel Byrne, like really getting down into yeah. the into what the thing was, and the young women who play the rest of her family and stuff. Uh, tricky real life, real life crime story that, like most of them, you know, it 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 isn't satisfying, and it 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 isn't exploitative, and that's great. But it's not. But those of you who really like that stuff it's not yeah, very entertaining it's, yeah hmm. yeah that's a that's a tough one it is um, it is i mean <laughs> as it should be yeah um all right next up is uh something of a of a very fun little title here uh, it is called The Greatest Beer Run Ever based on the incredible true story um, a man's story of leaving New York in 1967 to bring beer to his childhood buddies in the army while they are fighting in Vietnam. Uh, so how does Peter Fairley uh, follow up his Oscar winning film Green Book? He tells this stupid story. It's so stupid. This guy's mission is so stupid. Hey, he just wants to go over there and give the guys a you know a little bit of appreciation. Just want, so, yeah, he's want to tell them, hey, good job, you guys. Yeah, keep up the good work <laughs> in Vietnam. And of course, the movie's not like some pro Vietnam. And indeed, sticking this clown in the middle of like the you know one of the heaviest periods of casualties and stuff in the, in the Vietnam War is. We're supposed to learn some lesson from that, but it's it's just such juvenile, childish morality storytelling that you don't get much out of it. Who's the uh, the lead guy in it? Uh, Zach Efron. He learns very important lessons <laughs> throughout the story, <laughs> um, oh, and he well, does. That's... I mean, his eyes is awakened to the horror of war. They 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 this you know this idea that. They need that people needed to be awakened to that, and we we it's never seemed to be enough reminders for us, and mm-hmm. so I do appreciate that. It even has a really super serious and violent sort of um, you know like Good Morning Vietnam kind of third act. You know when that movie gets stops being funny, it's it's right. really profound. This doesn't come anywhere close to that, unfortunately, but. Zach is great in this just dumb guy. Like he really does. He really does. He's he's so amiable and his mission is so friendly and his, he has to play these moments of awakening and, and also just the way he conned his way into these different war zones where his, where his friends from his neighborhood were stationed. 
And he's a great contrast for the people who've been over there and understand the reality of the situation. But it just, it doesn't deal with war super fairly. It, it, it. Why is this character not serving in, in, in Vietnam? Do I can't you know? remember why. There's a reason. Okay. All right. But I can't remember why because it, like everything else in it, it felt like perfunctory, you know, exposition, you know? It's, yeah. It's just, uh, I like Green Book a lot. I've defended it on the show. There's no need for us to reopen the case about that movie. But I, I've always said the only thing bad about it really is that it won Best Picture. If it had just been a prestige picture from the year that had all the same stuff in it, I don't think we would be so down on it all the time. Um, but none of his other movies are good, and this movie also isn't good, so... <laughs> <laughs> so maybe I'm wrong about that one too. It's possible. He's just not a good filmmaker, not a good storyteller. I mean, if if it's not just fart jokes and just all the Fairly Brothers nonsense, if it's not getting jizz in your hair, then I don't know what kind of stories they really have to tell. That's mm -hmm. the level that they basically engage with this stuff on. This is only one Fairly Brother. It's it's tame by comparison. But it it's it's just as superficial as that stupid shit. So you're you know, it, and yet yeah. it's not terrible. It's well meaning. It you know what I mean. It it, it there's a lot of things about it where you you don't want to hate it, but uh, it's hard. It, it's hard yeah. to it's hard to like when when it's just so wrong headed from the start. Any sort of little minor filmmaking victories that you pick up along the way feel incidental so that's the story of the greatest beer run ever the greatest hey friendship knows no last call um all right next up is uh nitrum or nitrum uh nitrum. do not it's spelled backwards well, there you go. Martin spelled backwards. Events leading up to the 1996 Port Arthur massacre on Tasmania, uh, leading or in an attempt to events leading up to the 1996 Port Arthur massacre on Tasmania in an attempt to understand why and how the atrocity occurred. That's not a sentence. Okay. Well, get, wait, give it a go there. Whoever tried to write that. Um, um let's put that through Grammarly real quick here. Um, but yeah, so Nitrum, Tas uh, Tasmanian Australian. Uh, massacre. Yeah, uh, a mass killing basically by an armed psychotic named Martin Nitrum backwards. Uh, it's by one of Australia's finest filmmakers. Who he's on this. He's in today's show twice, I believe. He's in the history yes, he is as well. Mm -hmm. Um, what's his name? It is, uh, uh, I just clicked away from it, uh, Justin Kurzel. Um, Nitrum's a, a really, really good story, full of really, really good people doing a, doing an interesting thing. It was widely criticized at the time for not talking about the victim, talking to the victims or reaching out to the victims' families in the massacre, but the, the film is brave in that it doesn't even show you the massacre. And it shows no aftermath of the massacre. So honestly, involving those people in this process wouldn't be terribly useful. They focused entirely on the perpetrator and what might have brought him to this point based on what they know. That's something that once something has happened, we don't care about and aren't really willing to look into and kind of for... 
for understandable reasons. Who wants to sympathize with, be interested in, or follow the story of somebody that did such a horrendous thing? But one, but it is certainly one path to better understanding why these things happen. And that's what's amazing about it. But uh, the, the young man in it is it, ex, it gives an extraordinary performance as this rather complicated dude. Uh, what's his name? Caleb Landry Jones. Yeah, really, really good actor. You'll be hearing more from Caleb Landry Jones. Um, and uh, uh, the people who play his family are fairly famous. Uh, Anthony Lapalia. Lapalia. Yep. Anthony Lapalia. Judy Davis. Uh, an Essie, Essie, um, places. Uh, Davis, Essie Davis, Essie Davis, Davis, also yeah. Davis. Okay. So Judy Davis, we haven't heard from in a while. Extraordinary actor. Um, Anthony, we've, I don't think I've ever seen him in a movie where he had a, where he played an Australian. I don't think I've ever seen him in one. I think this is the first one I've seen. Maybe he's done it before, but mostly he plays gangsters and such in America or lawyers mm -hmm. or whatever. Uh, so that's super fun. Um, uh, maybe fun's not the word, but these two great actors playing his parents is—it's interesting because they are—they are the no conventional parenting help with this kid, and yet he really does seem harmless enough. He falls in with—they uh, don't have a relationship, not a romantic one—but he basically falls in with Essie Davis's character, who's a who's this old eccentric woman that kind of takes care of him or whatever. Um, and, and that relationship is really, really interesting and is examined here. Um, Nitram's a hard movie, you know, it's really tough, mm -hmm. uh, but it's worthy. It's just very, and in a way that greatest beer run ever just, you know, is the next Vietnam story told by a bunch of guys at the end of the bar. This is something, this is something, this is the flips, complete flip side of that coin where they really dig deep and try and figure out somebody that, that whose actions are completely unsympathetic. And that's, that's a tough task and the film manages it really, really well. Very smart, very um, minimalist, very docudrama in its stylings. So very, very focused only really on the people and the events of the story and and um and then no conventional payoff there's no violent payoff there's no justice payoff there's no payoff at all the movie ends moments before that horrific events about to take place uh i just i admire that a lot and it's a mm. really good film, and it's really, really torturous to get through. <laughs> as you can wow. imagine, as again, yeah. as it should be, dealing with a real subject, a true crime, in a true way, I think shows you how we've perverted these sort of things in our, in our, in our, in our storytelling to some degree, but definitely in that sort of reenactment television type storytelling. Um. If you're really going to tell the story of something awful, it should make you lose a little sleep at night. It shouldn't make you cuddle up with a blanket and a fucking cup, cup of coffee and then just live through other people's misery for the fun of it. And this, yeah. this, this doesn't do that. This confronts you head on with some really tough stuff. <sighs> and it doesn't yeah. resolve anything for you because it's not something that's easily resolved in any right. way. So you're left to contemplate 
the meaning of it all. That's that's tough, but that's proper. It's good good movie making, in my opinion. Wow. Um, all right. Uh, next up is the banker, uh, Anthony Mackie, uh, Captain America, and yeah. Samuel L. Jackson, Nicholas Holt. Um, this, yeah, go ahead. This is the story. Uh, in the in the 1960s, two African American entrepreneurs hire a working class white man to pretend to be the head of their business empire while they pose as a janitor and chauffeur. Based on the incredible true story. There you go. Um, yeah. yeah. Uh, I watched this on the, this was a catch up movie. So this was one of the older ones. I watched this on the yep. same day. I watched the Timberlake film. They were both Apple TV movies that I hadn't seen cause I, cause I don't subscribe to Apple TV. So I found a other way to see them, but it took me some time to be motivated to do that. Um, this is great. It's a really interesting story. It's not how great a movie it is, but it's a really interesting story. Um, just about the lengths that this smart business guy needs to go to, to be, to have his ideas taken seriously and to make the money that his peers are making. And, and again, it's nuanced in its storytelling. Sam Jackson is, is little more than a gangster at the start of the movie, but is also a smart guy who, because he's from a different generation has taken a totally different path. He's got sort of the crime know-how to make this work, and Mackie's got the financial sense to make it work. And the chump that they hire, Nicholas Holt's character, is smart enough to learn all this. Um, But unfortunately, the undoing of the thing is that he's smart enough also to get involved in it and and through only a couple of missteps sort of bring the whole enterprise down around their feet and send them all All into crisis mode. Um, it's also a matter of ego. Mackie's out on the West Coast. He's he's running a, a, a um, real estate empire, but he's so determined to go back to his home of Texas and prove he can do it there. And that's a place he should have stayed well away from because the laws aren't the laws in Texas at the time of this story the way they were right. in California. And it didn't matter if you were operating within the rules there, which they weren't. Um, even that would get you into trouble. It was really good. Really well performed by the bunch of them. Um, and a lot of complex economics explained in really uh, clever ways with lots of different examples and stuff. So you really are following what they're doing. And, um, and a really neat but but not glorious, happy ending way that these particular characters get to have the last word and very clever the way the film reveals that to you. So, Mm -hmm. you know, it's not all that great a movie. It's not told on that big a scale. It's storytelling ambitions are not that huge, but as far as these based on the incredible two stories, things go, I really thought this kind of, with with this story and its responsibility to tell it in a way that engaged us constantly did a fantastic job. So I, I'm, I was impressed and and entertained and that's. Would you, would you say it was engaging, engaging tale of two men trying to make money despite the unequal laws back then? 
It was engaging, Gordon. I well, then totally you and Gordon, that, yeah. then you and Gordon are in sync once mm-hmm. again. Uh, all right, next up is the Swimmers, and this once again has it right on the poster, based on the incredible true story. Right there. From war-torn Syria to the 2016 Rio Olympics, two young sisters embark on a harrowing journey as refugees, putting both their hearts and champion swimming skills to heroic use. Uh, It's a refugee movie, and it bounces around in time a little bit. Uh, It's played by real-life sisters, one of whom is an accomplished actor and one of whom isn't. But they they right. they get a lot of uh, value out of the fact that they're that they're actually sisters that they just you know when you meet you might meet sisters and never know but a lot of times you meet them and you're like oh yes yes or you meet brothers and you just see it these people are related you know they they have that going for them they have that chemistry between them um, this film's almost not quite half it's um, it, you know in their language so. So it was, I found that those parts of the story, like especially their youth before they were refugees, but, and then well before that uh, one was an Olympian, tough, like it got off to a slow start for me that I think a lot of people won't endure, you know, because it really does start like a quiet interpersonal foreign mm-hmm. family drama. And I think that people, you know, <laughs> moviegoers don't watch those in mass. <laughs> so why would they watch right. this? Um, and it is too, too everything. It's too triumphy of the human spirit and it's too weepy here and there and stuff. And it's just too, um, the filmmaker, it really is an issue movie and the filmmaker is pushing the issue on us in this Mm. case, but a female centric story made by female storytellers, uh, that also has a lot of complicated realities in it that, that the film would, you know, I don't know the exact details of the true story to tell you whether it's accurate or not, but it certainly feels accurate and feels well-earned because it doesn't take the easy road with these guys or the easy ocean crossings, more accurate right? You know, t- a term for what they actually endured and went through. Um, and they made it, much to their peril, uh, legally, they made it their 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 life's work to help refugees in these same situations, and that's so. It really is the story of two teenagers who become pretty extraordinary people, but it it doesn't make you feel super good either. It's not not really. It's not really the feel good huggy sports story that the poster would have you believe it's much again and to its credit it's much more complicated than that like most yep. things are so Ooh, sorry i'm just looking at that anyway it is based on an incredible true story and boy that some of those uh little moments in this trailer that just sucked me in there uh the, i mean it's a, it is a playing. it's a real it's a story worth dramatizing mm-hmm. in that way i totally believe that so but um, let's go have a visit with a couple of gingers, uh, Jessica Chastain and Eddie Redmayne uh, in The Good Nurse. Based on the incredible true story. Like, what the hell did those guys do? Oh, The Good yeah, Nurse. The okay. Good Nurse. Based, came and went. Hey. Now, this one is based on the unbelievable true story. <laughs> uh, hey, true crime devotees who really just like true crime. This is the movie for you. 
This one is weird. This crime is crazy. Uh, I wouldn't go so far as to say unbelievable, but it's psychologically very complicated. Um, the relationship between these people is is very real and interesting. The pressures on this nurse, you know, her actual home life, her economic reality, all of that is given lots of weight in the film. The filmmaker is extremely talented and working on a very high level. So I thought for a, for a Netflix exclusive, it was really, really high quality. But it's the same problem. The crime's sort of weird and grisly, and it, the resolution to it isn't very easy. The tension that comes from it is really, really well realized on screen, but it's just, uh, and it's, it's sensational. I'll just say that this has that sensational aspect to it, even though I think it's playing fair with the true details of the story mm -hmm. that it's pleasing in a conventionally mystery suspense way in a way that swimmers and certainly Nitram are not. Um, and yet it, it feels like it's it feels fairly authentic too. Eddie is really really good in it. You know he he he's Eddie Redmayne, Paul Dano. There's a handful of these guys who just they're turned up to eleven so much that we forget that they can do other things. And it's right. it's, it's nice to see that they can. Um, he he's you know he he's he gets his he has his moments to uh dazzle us with his red maniosity but <laughs> but mostly he's playing a guy that's a real guy in a true story and he knows that and he, he he embraces that responsibility and 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 those are the tools that he breaks out to do the role and jessica is is just extraordinary so she's a real asset to this but it, it as as big a stars as they are for as little a movie as this is it, this it this story is its own thing, and it almost doesn't need them to be awesome. It could have been—I don't want to say it could have been anybody, but it could have been anybody good, and this thing would still it still be memorable because it because of what it is and what happened and how how it was unearthed. And I'm trying not to say too much about it. <laughs> right. You know. Um. Just a second here. Uh, I have to um, I have to usher an, an instant correction here. So I'm trying to find my uh, my uh, Your rewind sound. The rewind sound. I wasn't expecting to to have to do that um, today, and so it kind of got buried here amongst moving me, moving a bunch of other stuff around. Uh, where are you? Oh no! Here we go. Get out of here. Now, this one says it's based on the unthinkable true story. Ah. Uh, yeah. So that was, it's not the. Um, yeah, I would agree to a certain respect. I mean, if you're out there thinking about this sort of stuff, get some help immediately, please. Yeah, right. Um, okay, next up is The Stranger with uh, Joel Edgerton and Sean Harris. Two men who meet on a bus strike up a conversation that turns into friendship for henry teague worn down by a lifetime of physical labor and crime this is a dream come true based on the incredible true story there you go this film got really really high marks um critically and i can see why these two guys are really fantastic um 
the, the and this the, again this dark and gritty crime story that which just shows you what what a life of crime is you know we're so cinematically we're just so you see in the gl- glamorous or political side of that and to see what most criminals are and how they live is to really experience some really awfulness and most of them aren't driven to it to become gajillionaires they're driven to it because they can't they either have personalities that prevent them from fitting in and in regular jobs or or they've gotten in enough trouble that they just can't be that they don't have any other opportunities so it's that kind of story it's an excessively dark and psychologically complex film Again, super unsatisfying from a traditional uh, a thriller and suspense narrative. It's, it has its suspenseful moments for sure, but it just... I love this group of films for just because they... And it, we have this new... You know, as much as I was complaining about some other things, especially in last episode with some of the dumber, more twisted action movies, I, I love the chance for... Um, you know, guys who are a, a part of plenty of those to get a chance, like in the Good Nurse and in Stranger, to really dig deep and 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 to give us this sort of cinema verite type of reality in these very intimate and more modest tales, because um, because I really do think that's the tonic for our escapist age, which I just don't think is doing us any favors. I think it's 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 reasonable to want to escape some of our harsher realities these days. I, I get that, and I'm I kind of right there with you on that. I, I tend to escape into the films of the past more than the films of the present, which don't much do it for me when in terms of escapism. But but I do know that just wanting to be alone with your own little things that bring you joy, you know, I, I, it's not, I don't, I don't condemn us for being that way, but these are the tonic to it. Face this stuff down, sit through this, be patient with it, let it wash over you. These, the, you know, and, you know, and this isn't yeah. even, this isn't the end. Goodness isn't either. They're not even issue movies, but there really are, psychologically complex tales that stand in for the, for the sensationalized sort of media driven, you know, real, real life scandal crap that we, that is sort of fills the airwaves. And, and that's not just on, you know, that's not just on the true crime marathon on whatever channel it's, it's, it's in our actual news reporting and stuff. It's all built into that. That sensationalizing of that. This film just totally swings the other way and 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 examines some really interesting things. Again, I wish I could. When you see it, we can sit down and talk about all the details. And I'd like <laughs> to do that. I, I don't want to ruin the stranger for you. There's plenty of surprises. That synopsis is a little long and a little sloppy, but it does a really good job of not giving you a real sense of what the actual story is, and the story doesn't give you much of a sense of that. Till you're well over halfway through it, so I I can't engage in the details the way I might like. Sure. But um, it's okay. Good. Well, Strangers let, really really good. It's a good film. 
Well, let's move on to our um, our final based on the incredible true story movie, uh, and that is Thirteen Lives. This is directed by Ron Howard, and it is the story of the rescue mission. A rescue mission is assembled in Thailand where a group of young boys and their soccer coach are trapped in a system of underground caves that are flooding. Joel Edgerton's back. We get Joel Edgerton back in this one, too. Vigo Mortensen, Colin Farrell, Joel Edgerton. But really, it's not the story of these Western interlopers. This is the great thing about this film. It's a disaster rescue movie. And yeah, it is the divers who come in and are our way in to the thing. But I mean, we we go through a huge chunk of movie with no English and no other people that we recognize uh, that to really set the thing up and and it's not just to set it up those people stay with us through the whole journey uh you know and that's the real value of the thing it been an easy story to just super westernize and simplify and they found the perfect filmmaker to do just that and he didn't do it <laughs> so I'm so just impressed by that. Not to mention that the underwater mm-hmm. rescue sequences and the dive, cave diving sequences, man, if you are claustrophobic, uh, whew, it's, yep. you're going to be white knuckling your, through some of these sequences because it, an accomplished diver, you have to be really accomplished and really know what you're doing, can get to these people that are stranded. But the idea of getting even one of them out mm-hmm. the same way you got in is unthinkable and impossible and and the film just (laughs) fights its way through those details in this amazing way and the politics of the land that they're in um they were it this movie posits that they were really really lucky to get a guy the guy who was in charge was out of favor and likely to lose his job anyway and it is even though he's a very proper sort of dude, he 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 approves things that somebody who had a future in his position wouldn't have. He's fairly liberated uh, from that. But any disaster involving any bureaucracy, like it's just amazing. And of course, mm-hmm. the guys you just read off the act, Viggo Mortensen's always great in this sort of thing. He's he's fantastic in this film. Um, Edgerton to really a very soulful performance. And who's the other guy? Uh, also awesome. Uh, Colin, Colin Farrell, Colin Farrell, right? Top, top of the world right now. Colin Farrell for a guy that people used to complain about a lot, who was always good. Everyone, he's popular again. I'm not sure what mm-hmm. changed. It wasn't his skills as an actor. I can promise you that maybe <laughs> it's just the material. Ah, uh, he, he's good in this, but it, it's, the great thing about it, it's not really about these guys. It's about these kids trapped in the cave. You know what I mean? And mm-hmm. and their their diving and their skills and stuff. It's it's important. And their debates with each other are an important part of the movie. But mostly, you're they're in the suits, behind the mask, unable to speak to one another. And and that's where the thing really lives and breathes. It's in those uh, just amazing. See, which is an incredibly looking film. It has a, a, a really, really uh, great sense of place. And it's very, very exciting whilst not being the least bit pandering. And 
with Ron throughout the ages, and as much as I like him, you usually get a healthy dose of the latter, and and it correct. It's, it's not here, and it's it's so much better for it. Good for him. Oh, very cool. Yeah. Uh, all right. Well, that is going to do it for our movies that are based on the incredible true story. And now we get uh, we're going to do some uh, we're going to have some ones that are kind of based on the incredible true story. No. Uh, movies that are <laughs> a little bit more uh, sort of inspired, maybe uh, a little bit more. Um, you know, sort of taking inspired liberty by true events. Sort of. Yeah. Uh, this is our check your history category. We are moving right along. And uh, first up uh, right in, uh, in this is the true history of the Kelly gang. All right. Also by uh, Justin Kunsel from Australia. Yeah. And this cool. movie is uh, based on, um, it's a Western. I mean, it's Australia, but it really is a Western. That's the style of film we're talking about. And it, um, it's about Australia, one of their most famous outlaws and folk heroes, mm -hmm. uh, Ned Kelly, who, um, who was like some weird kind of criminal Robin Hood, basically. Mm -hmm. He didn't give so much to the poor, but. He definitely stole from the rich and gave a lot of speeches and did some interviews. And so there really is a record of him. And, and then, the, of course, the poor people of Australia just adored him. Uh, played in this film is George McKay plays him. I believe that is correct. Um, uh, yes, George McKay. And is Nicholas Holt in this too, or who am I thinking? Yep, Nicholas of? Holt. Yep, Nicholas Holt's in this. Essie Davies. Essie Davis, Davis is in, is this in one. it. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. So some repeated things. So Russell Crowe probably is the is yep. the is the the real ringer that this movie trots out. But Nicholas Holt is maybe more important and an even better sort of. Uh, I don't want to say villain, but definitely uh, antagonist to our hero, friend and antagonist, and friends always make the best antagonists anyway. Um, because the class divide is very pronounced and profound here. And it's why a lot of this happens. This is a lot of this is just to stick it to the man, but, uh, uh, Justin is an interesting filmmaker. He just, he doesn't, I mean, certainly in Nitram, he doesn't take the easy way out. This film was made with Heath Ledger and Orlando Bloom. Not that long ago. I mean, those guys are, you know, and Heath's gone, but I mean, Orlando mm -hmm. Bloom's almost 40-ish something years old or whatever. So he's not the young hero that he used to be, but that they're not, that's not ancient history. So it was already made in the story, so I already knew the whole story. So what are you doing this for again so soon when that movie was pretty good? And it's, that movie really only dealt with the anger of, 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 class warfare and the and the legend of this guy this movie really puts him in into human perspective that's the big big difference and where that movie had a, this incredible shootout at the end the how ned kelly spoiler alert goes down in history all outlaws do by the way i don't not many of them frank james accepted but not many of them live to ripe old age they usually to have some key misstep that takes him out of the picture. And Ned was no different. That real life details of that are 
outrageous, and I won't spoil them for you here, but it was incredible in in Ned Kelly, in, in the incredible history, the true story or true history of the Kelly gang, it's it, it's done in a more um, abstract and suggestive way. So it's a little, it's 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 still a big shootout, but it's a little more art house and mm-hmm. weird. I don't, I'm not sure if that's better for a, a film that's as gritty and real as this one to end in that sort of style, but it is visually arresting and it, it does make you go, ooh. But um, and I hate to say, well, watch Ned Kelly first, and then watch this, so you can watch the exact <laughs> yeah. same story told very similarly two times in a row. I don't know if there's a great benefit to that, but it is an interesting story, and they do both go about it in different ways, and they do both contain outstanding performances by great actors in these in this sort of old school historical drama with all these western trappings. Uh, people will dig that, but. It yeah. is weird that it it it, it is weird that it, that second film even exists, and even if it's the slightly better movie, it's only slightly a better better right. movie, really. So, uh, okay. Next up is the cursed, one of the best horror films of the year. Says somebody whose name is so tiny on here, I cannot <laughs> see. Uh, uh, let me. I'll yeah. just say it. It's one of the best horror films of the year. It's it's here, and we're not waiting till next October to talk about it because I watched it a few weeks after we did our Halloween shows because I wasn't aware of it, or if I was, I just missed it. Uh, read the premise. This is my. This is Ryan's kind of horror movie. Like how I didn't get how I watched fifty horror movies that were new and didn't watch this one is inexplicable, mm-hmm. but. Read, read the premise. Uh, in rural, in rural nineteenth-century France, a mysterious, possibly supernatural menace threatens a small village. John McBride, a pathologist, comes to town to investigate the danger and exercise some of his own demons in the process. Um, tremendous historical horror with no easy answers and no boo scares and no uh just not not just nothing that a horror fan would normally want and yet the mood the uh, the oppression and the and the dread that goes along with truly being cursed is c- completely fully realized here in a way that I can't think of another movie that manages it so well the crime that the, these particular village people are guilty of is shot in an extraordinary way like you're a witness to it, really like you're a witness to it. It's it's an amazing sequence of any movie, let alone a horror movie, and um, the way the these things sort of the way the curse sort of exacts its revenge is is just through horrible madness and things that are can't be fought conventionally with you know pitchforks and 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 torches he just you you all you can do to lift the curse is to is to atone and yet it it, that's maybe that's not gonna work either it's really really creepy and amazing who plays the our investigator he's fantastic in it uh boyd holbrook uh, Boyd, you should know from Logan and some other things. Boyd is going to be very memorable, I suspect, in the upcoming 
fifth and final Indiana Jones movie. He's a, he's a fantastic actor. He was obviously drawn to this because of the quality of the material because he doesn't need to do this kind of movie anymore. And uh, there's an older male character actor and a woman in this too that are kind of equally important and we'll give them their yep. day in the sun. Give me two seconds. Um, yes. Uh, Ke- Kelly Riley, Alistair Petrie. Uh, there you go. Uh, Kelly you Riley, go. obviously, for Yellowstone, is, but she's always been a fantastic actor and and has done a lot of horror movies, a lot more than you probably think, people, because she does these weird, low-budget, you know, strange ones that are really visceral and intense. This film has its intense moments, but this one's more about the... It's just the intense, very real creepiness of it all that that, that, that makes this one work. Alistair Petrie's uh, always been great in everything. He's, he's remember folks will remember him from Downton Abbey and some other things of the like. Um, but but he's as the old man of the generation uh, that 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 the spirits are taking their revenge on. He's really outstanding. Emotionally and psychologically complex, incredible sense of period, incredible mood. Um, I still like uh, Empty Man best because Empty Man just knocked my socks off in terms of how bonkers original it was. This film, they've tried to make this one a handful of times and they've never made it better than this. Mm. Such a good historical horror or folk horror, as the kids are calling it. Yeah. Exceptional. I just am very, very impressed. I've only watched it the once. It's one. It's weird that as unpleasant as it is, I just really want to watch it again. And now that I have the answers and because I just know that's going to be watching it again for the first time. Right. It's one of those great movies like that but it it's tough it's tough the <laughs> the guilty and the innocent suffer alike and and it's it's there's no what i loved most about it is there's no conventional horror payoffs at all it just doesn't give you any of that <laughs> and i love it i loved being deprived of that so my it's it's from this year, whereas Empty Man's from a couple of years ago. But it, of the right. horror movies I saw, it was the the best one. Very cool. Yeah. Very cool. Uh, all right. <clears throat> Excuse me. <clears throat> I'm terribly sorry. I'm gonna hold on. Oh my god. Sorry. Cursed. I cursed just really affected me there. <laughs> it'll do that. Uh, yeah, it'll yeah. do that. Uh, all right. Next up is Against the Ice. Um. This is in 1909. Two explorers fight to survive after they're left behind while on a Denmark expedition. It'd be a Danish expedition in the, in ice-covered Greenland. Did they say Denmark and you corrected them and said Danish? Yes. Yeah. Well, on a Denmark expedition. Just trying to follow like, how that went. Well, on a Danish expedition in yeah, ice-covered thanks. Greenland. Yeah. Hey, that synopsis person did their best, but you did it better. Did they? Well, they did. They got the Denmark in there, and it's the same kind of, but it's not the right way to say it. It's true. And it can be difficult with some of that stuff. Like, I Um, think if you asked a bunch of school children where the Danish were from, most of them wouldn't be able to tell you in America. Most of them would say the pastry section of the supermarket. um, Daneland? No. Yeah, Daneland. There's a great... There's a great... um, there's a great line with a conversation that uh, Tom Hardy and, and James Gandolfini have in, in, um, 
what is it in the the I can't remember. It's got such a generic name, but we talked about it on a mm-hmm. movie club once. Um, there, they. What does he say? It's just like uh, uh, he calls them um, Chechnyans, and he's like, they actually call themselves Chechens. And Gandolfini's like, what? It's just, <laughs> they say it's Chechen. You, you, when you talk about people from Ireland, you don't call them Ar- Irelandians. <laughs> <laughs> and. But you do call some people that, so it's in yeah. way, in a way, he's not really being fair. But Gandolfini's kind of like just, just go f yourself. Reaction to that little, uh, you know, language lesson is just super funny. I love that scene. You don't call them Irelandians. It's hard. So it's it is a challenge sometimes. It took me it a is. while in life to mm-hmm. know that the Danish were from Denmark. Uh, the most famous Danish actor of all, Nikolai Koster-Waldrow, stars yep. as an explorer trying to prove definitively uh, something that I can't remember. But it basically <laughs> gives it ba- basically yeah. the discovery of it will give Denmark um, uh, control over all of Greenland. Um, you'll remember in the news from our last presidential administration, the president who shall remain nameless, uh, wanted to purchase Greenland from Denmark, and Denmark told him where he could stick it. The story really is a story about the race to discovering this thing that I can't remember the geographical part of it. I apologize, but to, to proving that so that your country has dominion over this new, unexplored, relatively unpopular land. Or as my um, a teacher I had once explained to me, they should have called Iceland Greenland. 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 Called, like, Iceland. Iceland, right. Because Greenland's just nothing but ice. Just some rocks on the beach and ice forever. It's a yeah, huge so glacier. What, what they were trying to, they were attempting to disprove the United States' claim to northeastern Greenland. The, the, the It was rooted in the idea that Greenland was broken up into two different pieces of land. Ah. But this, they were going to prove that it was one piece and thus it would all be. It's hard to prove when all the land is buried mm-hmm. under all this ice. Like it's an right. interesting story. And the and the age they did it was not a technological age. This is a uh, ship and dog sled type of adventure. And this really should have gone in the survival section because it really is a survival in the Arctic film. It yeah. isn't that, and then it is that, and when it becomes that, it really becomes that. So complete with hallucinations and all kinds of problems. And these yeah. just these two I'm, guys lost in the wilderness. I'm glad it's here. Cause uh, it, you know, between, between fall and, uh, and my dislike of being cold, uh, the survival <laughs> category might've just been too much for me this year. So yeah, maybe, so here it is. It yeah, is here, also, we'll put it here. It is also very much a historical adventure where they really do pay pretty close attention to the history to the degree that they can. And, you know, wild wilderness adventure in an exotic land. You you should know if you like those movies or not by now. I do. Mm-hmm. And I I very much like this one. It's just a lot of interesting things going on. And the two actors are, are very winning, very at odds with each other at times, very heroic to one another at times. There's very much a pecking order between them. He This guy's the commander of the mission. 
that Waldrow plays. Who's the other kid that's in it? Joe Cole. Yeah, and he plays just this volunteer from the lower ranks of the ship that they're on, who's never gone on one of these before, but he asked for volunteers and this is the only guy who steps up and they're like, yeah. they're, his fellow, his mates ask him before he heads out. What, why, why did you volunteer? And he's like, well, this is, this is why I'm here. Right. I mean, it's, it's the, the uh, to, to think about it to accomplish that. I mean, I just thought, you know, I got a volunteer. Mm -hmm. uh, it has, there's a, uh, well, I won't ruin the tagline at the end, but there's a great tagline um, that finishes that argument definitively at the end of the movie, which I really, really liked. Uh, um, it's I, I, yeah, I mean, this is this is really interesting. I mean, because uh, like all of these people here, I mean, it's a, it's a Danish director, mm -hmm. obviously, you know, a largely Danish crew, lots of Danish and Icelandic actors. Yep. So you know, this this clearly is, uh, you know, a, a story that is probably very, very close to. Uh, Danish hearts, you know this. This is yeah. The Danes are very proud that the, that they that they have. Uh, I, I, there's a word that's much nicer than these dominant words I keep using, but that they govern over Greenland. It's mm -hmm. it is a, absolutely a point of national pride, and that they beat the Yanks to it. I'm sure just makes right. it even, uh, or as Joel said more accurately, disproved the our version of the story that allowed us to feel like we controlled half a Greenland, you know, it, it it's very cool. So, you know, it's, it's akin in those days, it's akin to landing on the moon. It is that tricky a thing that they pulled off. Sure. Sure. And it's, it's just, it, it took a lot of skill and a lot of heroic acts and a lot of tough survival skills and in the end, it just took absolutely dumb, blind luck that that they were even around to tell the tale. So, mm. so it's it's it has all of that in it. It's a pretty great movie, but it's pretty stolid. Makes you shiver, that <laughs> <laughs> cold <Yep>. thing. <laughs> so you know, it's, yeah, you it's also that. But uh, I, I I dug that film. I thought it was really good, and I. I hate to say this, but I appreciate that all these Danish people made this, this told this story and that they kind of told it in English so that I could relax and just enjoy it as an adventure tale. It yeah, made yeah. it easier for me to get into. Um, they did that to reach a broader audience. They shouldn't have to do that. So I don't know why I'm thanking them for it. Maybe I'm, maybe I, maybe that mm -hmm. I'm, maybe what I'm saying is not in the best interest of filmmaking, but I can just tell you after watching a bunch of movies, I, I appreciated that this one was, was for all of us in the West. And, and I, th I think the mission accomplished, I bet you they reached a lot more people with this story because of that. So. Sure. Um, so this next movie is inspired. Based on the incredible true story. No, this is inspired by uh, <laughs> the 15th century Czech icon and warlord Jan Zizka. Uh, and, and of course, when you, you know, you need, we need some sort of monk. So we need to get Michael Caine in here to be, uh, to, but, um, we have medieval, medieval Michael Caine. Um, so, but yeah, Ben Foster, Sophie Lowe, Michael Caine, um, Matthew Good. Yeah. Yeah. How was my, how was medieval? For, for an entirely 
check government funded thing <laughs> or and so with a, a random check millionaire investors sort of mixed in about a check hero they really got some really cool people to be involved ben foster mm -hmm. most of all ben foster is awesome and if you don't think so you're so dumb and wrong i can't even tell you <laughs> um he's a little goofy but that's what's so great about him he's just fun and, and, and interesting to watch and they he even when he's doing what a guy in a movie like this always does he still has this edge of unpredictability and and a little bit of craziness to him that i really really appreciate when i see him in something um this film's weird it's this guy this this czech warlord he never lost a battle ever that's what he's known yep. for he's known for for creating a ton of modern uh military strategies in an era where it was really just send the poor people on the front lines to their deaths and see what happens. Um, he did all kinds of crazy things and, and was outmatched constantly and managed to... And this film shows where that kind of thinking came from. But it doesn't... It it doesn't we there is doesn't have that big battle scene that 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 the thing seems to promise given the guy's biographical information and the you know the way the poster is pictured and stuff it's it's really about the a uh, much smaller sort of kidnapping um, ransom mission that he went on and and how that created allegiances and, 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 and what, and it's solved a lot of mysteries for me about Czech royalty. I, 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 like you guys, I know the Christmas Carol, good King Wenceslas. There's a Wenceslas in this story. It apparently was a real Czech King. I always thought, well, I, deep down, I must've known you couldn't make up a name like Wenceslas. That must've been some actual person. But I never really understood. I used to joke, I'm going to name my son Wenceslas because I don't think there's been one of those for a while. Mm -hmm. um, of course. Well, I mean, Wenceslas, you can nickname Wensy, uh, Sloss, Wenceslas. Uh, Ses, probably. I mean, there's, uh, there's, there's a whole bunch of great probably nicknames. Probably for the best that true love uh, sidestepped me and I didn't have any kids. And so there are no Wenceslas running around in the twin cities area, but, um, that we know of, <laughs> there are no Wenceslas that we know of. Yeah. I guess I can say that there could be some other, uh, avant-garde Lothario, uh, that is out there. Or, uh, or there, some distant, uh, Czech royalty. It's possible. Possibly. um, it's an interesting story, but it's not a very conventional, like historical epic in any sort of fun kind of way. So, um, I, I, I like this kind of movie. I mean, I love a good historical epic, and I don't mind one mm -hmm. that is a little bit modest. You know, it's modest by gladiator or you know those sorts of standards for a Czech mm -hmm. movie. It's off the charts expensive. It's probably the most expensive Czech movie ever made. So, but that still falls somewhere in the mid range of, of what a, what it is from a spectacle standpoint. So you got to be intrigued more with the politics, um, which are definitely front and center in it of the succession of the King at the time. Matthew Good's really, really good delivering that to us. Uh, Michael Caine's a great moral center, you know, uh, obviously he, he'll agree to this sort of thing if he thinks there's some substance there and there is in this tale. So he's worthy addition. 
Um, but it's Ben Foster and, and Sophie Lowe and the way they interact with each other. That's that's where the heart of the thing is. And the very, very clever ways that this character gets out of these little uh, fight, fighting scrapes and stuff and how he escapes. He, he was known historically as an incredible strategist. And that, this this doesn't tell us of the height of his strategy, his military strategies, the height of his power. It shows an origin story of, of him developing those in what is actually a minor adventure tale by comparison. So mm. it's not bad. It's not great. People aren't, mm -hmm. I mean, there are people going to be bored with it. Honestly, you show up for this to see a bunch of sword fighting and a bunch of wisecracking and stuff. And it's just the latter of which that fun historical script that just drives along because it's got a, a some sort of mission that needs to be accomplished. This the mission changes three four times in this. Like the allegiances change. It's all complicated and messy, so it doesn't have any of those conventional payoffs and stuff. But it, I did find it a well made and and different kind of tale that I liked. Mm -hmm. So, um, so our next uh, our next film is a film that clearly uh would have been rolled out with greater fanfare uh had not uh we had the slap heard uh, around the round hollywood <laughs> um but will smith uh in a movie in emancipation uh, about a runaway slave uh, for going through the swamps of louisiana on a tortuous journey to a pardon me escape plantation owners that nearly killed him antoine fuqua the awesome Antoine Fuqua directing this. Uh, ben Foster's back. This time, probably not. Not a yeah, nice guy. You guessed it. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, so we have Will. Yeah, As Will's the worst person ever in this <laughs> yeah. film. That's a, a let's, I mean, this is uh, the Will Smith show and the side characters, you know, that we get to know are, and rightfully so are the people who escaped with him and the, the you know, the people that he worked and alongside tried to protect or was it odds with, or the, even that turned on him, the soldiers that he later joins in the middle of the Civil War. It's about the African-American characters, and it's about that legacy. But we'll, we'll take a pause to look at what Ben does in this. Because to accept this kind of hunter-slave-driver role from history is... Um, and then to, and then to decide to make him a person... You know what I mean? And not just mm -hmm. a force for pure evil, which he is, essentially. I mean, anybody this much into slave hunting or whatever, I mean, he just is he just is evil. Or he's a really bad, selfish, greedy person, uh, wholly in the service of evil. Either way, evil is being done by this guy constantly throughout. It's that's a lot to ask. And in a film, in a good film, like Twelve Years a Slave or something you know, that those roles are crucial and they're, they're used, they're populated by, you know, the best actors you have. Ben is really, really good, but this movie's not as, that's not that kind of movie. It's uh, a lot of the, the critic, and I kind of agree with this, the critic conventional wisdom about emancipation was it's, it's a slavery movie, but it's mostly just an action movie hmm. um, in that setting. And and it 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 leans heavier towards 
its action scenes and stuff. And that's, of course, that's where Antoine comes from as an actor. It's not, or as a director, it, it, it's, it, it's not that it, it's not that it doesn't deal with a lot of interesting things or whatever, or this true story, but it, it gets a lot of the biographical information a little bit mixed up. This is a, this is a film that is a linear chase movie that does oversimplify everything that's interesting from history. And I tend Hmm. to not, I don't mind it because Emancipation is not a bad movie. It's really well made. Fuqua's made a lot of big time films. Um, for you guys who don't know him, uh, Training Day comes immediately to mind. There are many others that he's yeah. he's been at the helm of that were good. He's the guy who made the lots of Denzel Washington movies. He's the guy who made the remake of Magnificent Seven, which I thought, while not great, was very entertaining. It was fun, yeah. This movie can't be entertaining on in the way that one was, and yet it it doesn't seem willing to engage with uh anything that's tricky about this story so you know i remember before it came out they were like oh will smith is a runaway slave you know real character from history uh guy who who once the credits roll the guy's um spoiler alert i guess but his biography continues to be interesting so there was talk where whether the slap would cost him an Oscar nomination. And it, it's the mediocrity of the film that costs him the mm-hmm. Oscar nomination. There's no right. chance he was getting nominated for an Oscar for this movie. But he's still yeah. quite, he's still quite good in it. He's still the movie star you remember. And, and it's, and it ain't bad. It's just, I'm having a hard time really embracing it. There's another movie coming up. That's even harder to embrace for much more egregious sort of historical inaccuracies. This movie, from what I was able to read and glean, doesn't, it doesn't do the opposite of what's true. It, it, it just it sort of oversimplifies the thing. And that's too bad, but it does make for an enjoyable chase film. Just a really dark, ugly one because slavery is at the heart of it. And that's just a, that's just a rough thing, you know. Yep. When, when you see in witnesses gunned down and stuff, and different things happening in a crime drama, you're able to kind of go along to the next scene and do whatever. When you see, you know, runaway slaves being assassinated, executed really is the better yeah. term. Um, just for, because they don't want to go to the trouble to carry you back to the plantation, but feel they can't let you go. That sort of thing is heinous and ugly and it deserves, it just deserves to be told in a story that is better done than this one. And yeah. those stories are actually out there. So I'm not sure as an action movie, I'm not sure how much value it really has. And then as a historical value, it's not that great either. And yet it's, it's all good enough to get you to the end for sure. Uh, is that uh, hard? It's hard to, I don't want to condemn yeah. it. It's not a bad movie. It's just, yeah, uh, I will. I, I and in no way do I want to make light of any uh, of anything going on in this movie. But this is the only time you will see me uh, feel bad for former uh, New York Giants coach Jim Fossil, uh, because um, Ben Foster's character's name is also Jim Fossil. Uh, <laughs> so uh, no um, relation. No, maybe, relation. There, maybe there is. Uh, Probably not. Yeah, maybe Antoine Fuqua is a big time hater of uh, the Giants um, or something. Uh, but anyway, yeah, I wouldn't anyway. put it past him. <laughs> uh, all right. So let's uh, let us move on to um, 
I what this was uh this was uh, uh, uh just a bonkers film that's the only word I can really use to describe it uh the northman <laughs> yeah from the maker of the the double v witch and uh, the lighthouse mm -hmm. <laughs> uh, northman's tricky because it it doesn't have the sparse minimalism uh just awfulness of either the witch or the lighthouse and yet because it's a huge expansive viking adventure and yet the darkness and the ugliness definitely along for the ride. It's all there. Yeah, it's what are the Vikings really and what did they do? Well, this film just lets you know right away and an absolutely unflinching, hor horrific scene of really our heroes conquering another Viking village. But they say to what to rape and pillage, and what does that actually mean? Well, this doesn't flinch from that. It shows you that. And... That's just harsh and ugly, and it's 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 a it's an opening that's really really powerful, but harsh, and ugly and mm -hmm. tough to take. And these people following their destinies of revenge and stuff, and the 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 way the mythology hangs over everything in this very real way, um, as an event revenge tale, it's as good as any because it the, right. his, his plot for revenge is is very clever and requires him to really lay himself low before he gets his chance and then there's even a chance and i really thought who knows could there be a chance for true love in this thing you know it <laughs> the film is clever enough that it makes us believe it for a little bit which <laughs> yeah. which how could there be there can't be and yet it, we get caught up in that and and the best scene in it is is witnessing the 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 character who really believes in that um Anya Taylor Joy again and yeah, yeah. extraordinary performance as uh as a witch basically a mystic who knows that sharing what she is with the public will get her hanged or burnt or both or whatever keeps it close to the chest which is a fun thing to watch normally when we meet a witch in a giant nordic adventure tale they're pretty flamboyant about it <laughs> and she's she's would rather be a slave than have them know that she's actually connected to something otherworldly and that's an mm -hmm. extraordinary choice for somebody to make they're both smarter than all the other people. Our villain is no less a Viking raper and pillager than our hero is. So do we, and, and we end up spending so much time with the bad guys, bad guys, you know, that mm -hmm. you don't know, you just don't know. There's no real allegiances, you know, revenge tales are cold and awful and nothing really good comes from them. <laughs> if you believe in Valhalla, then maybe something good came from this. If you don't, then then your take on what happens at the end of this film will be completely different. Both are legit. The film doesn't decide for you. It lets you kind of... I mean, it definitely has a thing that happens at the end, but it lets you decide what you think that that thing is, and I think that's delightful. Uh, Northman, super accomplished huge yeah. budgeted film with incredible design outrageously um impactful location shooting really strong performances from everybody involved but it but like his other films what does it mean to go insane with someone who's more insane than you 
on an isolated island? What does it mean to right. have your family and your livestock in, infested psychologically by evil? You know, these yeah. are the things his stories are about, and they're really about them, and they're really ugly and challenging. And this film, while it's got a bigger budget and a brighter poster and a trailer that makes you want to see it right this second, when you right. actually get into what it is, what the Vikings were, it is yeah, it's it's harsh, harsh, harsh stuff. You just yeah. keep getting bitch slapped with throughout. This ain't yeah, this ain't yeah, this ain't your your. Uh... Your your massive historical epic. This isn't your diehard revengey story. Uh, you know, action. You know, beating all the bad guys, cut, cutting your way through uh, everybody on your way to the big baddie. This ain't that. No, but it it it. But but yeah. It, but it is it is that in the way it, that you have to say from a time that is gone. Yeah. That we can't visit, except through movies. It, it is that in the in the way that feels like this is how it would probably have been, and that's that's great. I mean, I, I you know, I I I didn't turn the movie off when it got harsh, especially early in the early going. But I just was, I just felt dirty and horrible, mm-hmm. and it will do that to you as well. Yep. yep. But um. But it's playing fair with you. You have to immerse yourself in what these people were, what their culture was, what their what, what some of their warlike natures were, and how they lived during that time. And it's still a movie. It's still got lots of highly choreographed and I don't want to say crowd pleasing, but you know, it's, it's still got that fantasy reality aspect to it. But um, I don't know what to say. I, I just I thought it was fantastic. I didn't super enjoy it anyway, but I really really admire it a lot. I mean, we the, we need filmmakers like this working on this level, and I mean he's he's an incredibly uncompromising storyteller. The guy who made those films, they're all yeah all remarkable in their own way. Mm-hmm. Uh, good old Robert Eggers. That's yeah. what he does. He ma- he'll make you feel gross. Um, <laughs> uh, all right. Next up, uh, one of the uh, just one of the best uh, best actors there is out there right now. One of my favorites, Viola Davis, um, starring in The Woman King, uh, inspired by a true event. on the incredible true story. No. Uh, that is, uh, so this is the woman King historic opera epic, uh, that took place in the kingdom of Dahomey, uh, or Dahomey, uh, one of the most powerful States of Africa in the 18th and 19th centuries. Uh, that's a movie's hard to talk about. It's pretty good historical epic. And, you know, I've enjoyed, I don't know, countless amount. I mean, historical epics are my are maybe not my favorite kind. They're up there. I really, really like them. I really mm-hmm. like old tale. I like big old movies about the Bible, even as even as overly simplistic they are thematically from, from the 50s and 60s. Like, I like that big widescreen Cinerama storytelling. I like Kingdom of Heavens, one of my favorite movies, to give you one of recent vintage. I just really think they're cool. And I have enjoyed very much, admittedly, the distortion of history for my own entertainment value countless times in these umpteen hundred or so 
stories about old uh, white people from history. <laughs> and I just don't care if they get it completely wrong. And the same is true slightly of war movies as well. So this is both. This is a war movie. It's a historical epic. Um, it's a great one from, as you'd expect with this particular group of, of actors, it's a great one that examines the sort of warlike nature of these, of these people and particularly these women soldiers whose sort of battalion was the Navy SEALs of this country's of its time. They were the ones that did these impossible things. Mm -hmm. And that part is is based thoroughly in history um and it's it's really well done the battle scenes are really well done a lot like the northmen it's very gruesome it doesn't pull any punches it's it doesn't give you a, a, a sort of pg-13 although it may be a pg-13 movie i'm not sure how bloody it really gets but it just doesn't give you that easy mm -hmm. we're here to entertain you sort of uh violence the violence feels well earned by the story and stuff and the performances are great and the glimpse into african history which is not where we normally tell stories from this era is is invaluable um the problem is that this nation and this country in this story are fighting against these uh portuguese slave traders and stuff and the real history is that they were supplying these Portuguese slave traders with slaves in mass. They were murdering and enslaving their own people. And the film takes the opposite. It takes the fantasy route. It literally tells you the opposite of what happened historically that we know happened. Um, John Boyega, who plays the king of the country, there's no uh, woman king. She's technically a queen. That's how it works. But I do sort of like the the value of the title. But just to, for clarification's sake, he he plays this character who's sort of con he's actually a little conflicted about that, which is nice. But and they play homage to that without actually showing him ever being pro-slavery. That king in real life tried to change that nation's uh, top industry away from slavery to the other things that they had going and of course it it resulted in in shambles economically right. because there was nothing more profitable on the planet at the time than slavery you couldn't just not you can just start not doing it it's what our own civil war was about you could and people did and it's a big leap you you had to take if you wanted to have any decency in you of course but the reason you didn't was because look around what are we going to do without our slaves what are we going to do without our slaves? What's going to happen to the plantation? Right. What's going to happen to the pyramids? You know, it nothing. They're not going to happen. Not the way we think of them now. Absolutely not. So, so they were stuck with that. They were the reason they were so powerful is because they were so militant. They were able to stand up to the Portuguese to the degree that they could, but they completely, because they were militant, but they completely allied themselves with them economically in serving the slave trade. And this film would have you believe not just that that didn't happen. It doesn't just sort of ignore that. It stakes its claim on the opposite of that. Lupita Nyong'o, who was originally attached to it, went back as part of a documentary and did a sort of reality TV series where she went back to her African roots and discovered it. And as she discovered what these people actually were, she dropped out of the movie because to her conscience 
didn't allow her to tell the stories of these people as written. And it was a film she really wanted to do. It's a part that would have earned her some um, prestige. Read down the list a little bit. The woman who does play this role is fantastic in the film. Uh, It is, um, I just was looking at it, uh, Lashana Lynch. Lashana Lynch. Really good. And obviously Viola Davis, really good. But uh, Boyega is fantastic in it. Um, like I said, he we talked about him earlier this year in that that bank hostage film. Um, he's a guy who he he's a guy who I always thought criticized a lot of stuff for somebody that's as silly and superficial and stuff as he is. And he's uh, he's put me in my place with that opinion because he he is not that anymore. And this this and that prove it. Good for him. But I I'm. And I read this blog at this, you know, Woman King is the movie we need right now. And I'm like, mm. a complete, utter distortion of history is not the movie we need right now. And yet I, I go back to what I said originally. How, how many movies about the Crusades have I watched? And I just sat here and I was like, go Christians. I didn't care if it was accurate. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's it's kind of like, you know what I mean? It's like, I, you can't, you have to get off your high horse and really, I can't just be all, oh, well, for the slaves, so this is terrible. It's not terrible. It's a really good movie. Um, and it doesn't even take the yeah. easy way out. And it kind of in a Northman, not a, quite as harsh as that, but then in that sort of way where it really does sort of engage with the the intense militantism of these people and how damaging that is and kind of how rough a life it was. And so there's so much worthwhile here. But I just can't, you know, I, I, I don't mind... I don't mind an enormous amount of of uh, liberties with true life stories as long as they don't miss the essence of what the thing was. This film, for its own convenience, is ignoring the essence of what this culture was. It's just flat out ignoring it. These people went into tribes the easiest. First, it was the easiest ones to conquer because they were the most peaceful ones. Then it was their enemies, and they turned them all into slaves. And they helped enslave them. They helped murder them. They sold them to the European nations that were colonizing Africa at the time. They were not part of the solution to the problems going on in Africa. They were a major pro part of the problem. And that's nowhere to be found here. So I just, it's hard. I don't know what to do with it. And frankly, it's not conventionally entertaining enough that I really much want to revisit it for its own sort of big screen, you know, adventure qualities. Because it does take the stuff that it deals with that's true seriously. So Mm -hmm. it's, 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 it's trapped itself in this sort of impossible place. And... That's not to say that the people really didn't throw themselves into a tricky story and really make a hell of a movie out of it. It's just, I don't know. Um, all right. Well, it's, it's very interesting. Um, next up is this is this is weird, and this is going to sound weird, because I, I don't entirely have a lot of like examples off the top of my head. But um, I really, I think my favorite Christian Bale is Christian Bale with some sort of big bushy facial hair. Um, <laughs> for some reason, he's much more. I, I find him more likable when he is uh, uh, bearded. For some reason, yeah, it's hidden, very weird. Hidden a bit has yeah. his matinee idol sort of good looks hidden behind yeah. some. Yeah, 
and we get him in a glorious, uh, glorious beard here in the pale blue eye. Um, Read the premise. (laughs) It's funny because back in our Halloween episodes, we watched a movie that was almost exactly this movie. Yep. But was terrible. Um, But here we are again. Read the premise, please. A world-weary detective is hired to investigate the murder of a West Point cadet. Stymied by the cadet's code of silence, he enlists one of their own to help unravel the case. A young man the world would come to know as Edgar Allan Poe. Nevermore! Uh, Sorry. (laughs) (laughs) This film... This is the pale blue eye. I don't know if I said the title. I apologize. Uh, it's good the pale to say blue it. Eye. the pale blue yeah. eye. A lot of people have seen this. This was a number one movie on Netflix for a few weeks running in the new year. Um, you know, it's got Christian Bale in it. It looks mysterious and creepy. It is both those things. Um, it's a great mystery just on it on, on face value. It, that part of it is fantastic. It's just directed by and, and adapted by Scott Cooper. Who unbeknownst to me through kind of throughout our doing the show, every time I kind of bring him up, I'm like, wow, this guy does it different. You know, I really dig it. Um, most notably in his Western hostiles also had Christian Bale in it. That film is just not what you think it is. It's not a bait and switch so much. It just really turns out to not be what you just not what you think it's going to be. And to examining things in ways that you don't think, um, the horror movie that he did, Antlers, which I was less crazy about, but had incredible sort of makeup effects and it just amazing sort of character-based stuff for a movie like that. I feel like the actual horror part felt a little silly. Um, so that one, so I didn't ever get one over to that one, but I did love the approach, which was this very straightforward. What, what, if this thing was really here, what would it be? Um, if, if this tortured guy was supposed to bring this native American back to this reservation, what would that journey be like between them? Um, this is what would, uh, you know, what would a murder mystery set in this era at this, at this military academy, you know, be like, and what kind of story can we put a young Edgar Allan Poe in that would inspire his future stories? Christian Bale is a feather in its cap. This film also has this absolute parade of uh, distinguished British character Mm -hmm. actors and actresses. Uh, all doing great work and in, in rather flamboyant roles that that could send the movie <laughs> off the rails at any point if they went yep. too far with it. So that balancing act is amazing. The guy who doesn't get the balance right, and it never has, but it's still fun to spend an evening with, is Harry Melling as Edgar Allan Poe. Um, I'm not sure what it is because I don't mind anything specifically that he's doing, but he's just such a such a goofball of an actor. Yeah. Uh, you know him, although you may not recognize him anymore. You know him right. as uh, Harry Potter's uh, cousin. Dudley. Dudley. Dudley Dursley. And um, which he's even in that role, as cartoony as that is, it, it needs somebody like him to dive right in and do all that stuff. There's that great moment in uh, 
Order of the Phoenix, I want to say, in the opening when the when they him and his friends are bullying Harry's on the swing at the playground. Yeah, yeah. And there's that moment where where Harry gets pissed at him, and and Melling plays the. All his friends are just giggling about it. Harry plays the, you know, don't turn me into a frog or something. Like he immediately, yeah, yeah. immediately sobers up because he knows what is could actually happen here. But he's not a wise enough guy to just leave him alone. <laughs> right. So he plays some nuances there. And he does so here. But I, I want Edgar Allan Poe to be less like that and more like a young... John Cusack, maybe somebody like that who would also get the sort of haunted quality of the guy. I don't think Harry ever really manages that. Got a lot of opinions, very entertaining, but it's such a broad performance in such a subtle, quiet, and and mood piece. Um, if you watch the movie with the counter backwards, you'll realize that when the mystery is solved, there's still 22 minutes left in the film. <laughs> <laughs> why is that you ask well i'm not going to tell you you will just have to watch it but that that's where this thing really comes to life is is when the when the and that's when all of scott's stuff really comes to life it's when the conventional is has happened but is left behind in favor of something far more unconventional and tricky um i thought this i thought this film was expert i thought it was entertaining um, I, and I, at the same time, I don't think it was for everybody, which is part of what I like about it. I think it, I think they would have had to homogenize the message and the story of this and, and not embrace so enough of the weirdness of it if they wanted it to be for broad audiences. And yet I think it's star power and the, and the time of year it came out allowed it to be a big hit anyway. So I'm pretty thrilled with Pale Blue Eye. I mean, but I do have those caveats, same as I had for Antlers, same as I had for The Furnace. Like, all, there's always these things mm-hmm. making me go, mm-hmm. eh, but yes, I'm just, like, it's almost really, really like a great film. And I, uh, to date, I just have to kind of settle for, nope, they're just really good ones. But that's that's nothing to scoff at these days. Right, right. Absolutely. Yeah. All right. Well, that is going to do it for our list. Uh, we are, uh, so we're, um, we have so many more films yet to go, uh, but we do thank you for joining us again. What for, are some of the categories uh, coming up? Since oh we- yeah, sure. Yeah. So we, um, we have, let's see, we have, well, we have a Western coming up that's oh western fun. just the one but yeah. yeah yeah western we have time to do the western now if you want to do the western now we could do it yeah i think uh, we'll let pale blue eye finish this episode what yep. we should have done was since we had time was to put the survival movies in between the two films but sure there you go we can't go back um, and do that now so we'll just we have, have with that on we have movie. survival films we have a western we have comedic whodunits oh, yeah. we have animation we, we have, have more comedic whodunits in the past year than i think i've ever than uh, i think even when they were the only kinds of movies like even when pink panther came out i don't think there <laughs> were anywhere near as many comedic whodunits as we've had this past right. season so that'll be a fun category yeah we have biopics we have lots of biopics um we have heroes super and otherwise but yeah we have that's we, you know obviously there's plenty of uh superhero films sequels prequels and reboots we have legacy sequels and we have uh the 2023 
Oscar uh, movies that are that were clearly yeah the way we're rolling for these Oscars out, yeah the way we're rolling these out we better find a way to publish that Oscar episode before the Oscars actually come Correct. I think they're March middle of March now right they are later uh, give me two seconds they're not uh, like we'll, COVID we'll... late but I believe they're later than they typically would be which would be sort of the week after the Super Bowl. Uh, yeah, it is tune in to the uh, 95th Academy Awards. Yeah, by all means, don't give me the date. Uh, March 12th. There we go. Maybe we'll get there. <laughs> to see. Yeah. yeah, but I saw them all this time. I mean, not all of them. There's a, I haven't seen the whale yet. I haven't seen, um, women talking yet, which I really want to see. Mm-hmm. Uh, I haven't seen Empire Light, which wasn't nominated for any Oscars, but I feel like that still goes in that category. <laughs> um, you know, so there's a handful still <laughs> floating out there, but I've seen all the others. So we're gonna yeah. try. We're gonna try and have our first proper pre-Oscars show where we don't glorify the Oscar ceremony in any way of the movie show with Joel and Ryan's history, which will be fun. Yep. Um, there was a very uh, a, a very enjoyable sketch last night on Saturday Night Live. This will be this will tell you when we are recording this, but it was the Pedro Pascal episode of Saturday Night Live. Uh, and it was one of their game show sketches. And it was just all about the magic of movies in Hollywood. And it was like, uh, you know, a person who runs a podcast on, you know, the, the contestants were, uh, you know, was, was noted film critic and film expert from Duke University or whatever. And uh, uh, and then, you know, a person who runs a, uh, a, a does a podcast on movies and, and they're asking all these questions and they're asking all about these classic Hollywood things. And then they, then then it's like name a movie from the name five movies from the last five years. And they're all like. Oh. Uh, um, they, they were they didn't have yeah. their joels sitting there with yeah. his keys to the internet yeah. to help them through was, these moments it's it was very fun and they're like uh they're like this yeah this movie is not when you said women talking it was like this movie uh is uh has an all-female cast and blah 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 i, I can't remember it. and they're like and, and then everyone's like uh, and they're like, it's nominated for an Academy Award for this year. And they're like, oh, it stars Academy Award winner Francis McDormand. <laughs> and they're just like, I, uh, uh. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's really, it's a really funny. I, I really enjoyed that sketch as that's, someone that's who got also a of, got a lot of truth to it. I yeah, also say. hosts a uh, a podcast on film. All right, uh, all well, right, we, everybody. We had a little extras at the end, and we're still getting out of here early. Yep. So congrats, everybody. absolutely. This is uh, this is another episode of our year in review, twenty twenty two, and a few from twenty twenty one and twenty, and I think there was even one from twenty nineteen. <laughs> All right. Um, and uh, so uh, obviously you can reach out to us. Tell us uh, what you're excited about. Uh, what was your favorite movie of last year? You can do that on the movie show with Joel and Ryan page on Facebook, uh, Instagram, TikTok. Yeah, you can look if you're watching us on YouTube. Hi, you, you can see my face. You can see I'm waving to you. But if you're listening to us, we love you too. Don't worry. We, we absolutely love you. Uh, but uh, if you're watching us on YouTube, give us a like, subscribe, um, you know, leave us a comment. Leave us a comment on all of these things. Tell your friends. Tell everybody. Um, we like doing this show, uh, and we like it when people listen. So we are hoping that that sort of agreement will continue. Um, all right. 
Until next time, we do so love you, dear listeners. And we will talk to you later. Bye. Thank you for listening to The Movie Show with Joel and Ryan. Remember, all views and opinions represented in this podcast are personal and belong solely to the speaker and do not represent those people, institutions, or organizations that the speaker may or may not be associated with, unless explicitly stated. None of these views and opinions were intended to malign or deceive. And now, here's the producers, circa 1982, to play us out. <laughs>